0: All right, Alexander, let's uh, do an update on uh, what is happening in the Middle East. And um, there was an interesting uh, article from the New York Times. and I'd like your thoughts on, on it. Um, it said that with uh, pressure from the, the Pentagon and the, the U.S. administration, Israel has, uh, has scaled down the goals of their ground operation. Um, I'm summarizing what the New York Times said, but that's pretty much it. Uh, the u s was alarmed that the ground operation was was too broad was was trying to accomplish too much, and uh, they wanted a, a a new plan for the uh, for the war and it looks like the the ground operation instead of expanding is is now more more narrowly focused. Which is what uh, the U.S was, was pushing uh, the Israeli defense forces to do. Um, what, what are your thoughts on on that? It's, it's, very, it's, it's very interesting how the Pentagon is approaching this ground operation, with how they approached the counteroffensive in Ukraine, where it was probably the exact opposite. The Pentagon was telling Ukraine to, to accomplish this huge Goal: This huge task of, of splitting the Russian forces and getting to the Sea of Azov and doing all of this in a matter of days. While in Israel, it seems like the Pentagon is telling the Israeli military to, to not do too much and to remain very... Very focused on uh, on very specific uh, goals. What What are your thoughts on, on uh, this New York uh, Times article?
1: I think this New York Times article is extremely interesting, and it may be extremely important as well. Because, to be absolutely clear, um, that was not plan. What 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 it is discussing? What the New York Times is talking about now is not plan A. Now we've had enough uh, enough information coming from the Middle East, and indeed from comments made by US officials, including, by the way, Biden himself, to get a sense of what plan A was. Plan A was to open the crossing points between Gaza and Egypt, get people to leave Gaza, go into Egypt, set up 10 cities in Sinai, get uh, tents to, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, house them. Then the... um, Israelis would go into Gaza, there would be a massive bombing strikes on Gaza, tunnels would be destroyed, bunkers would be destroyed, Um, the Hamas fighters would be isolated and eliminated. And that was a plan. And, by the way, it's clear that this was a plan that the US initially was supporting. And, again, you know, you have to put the pieces together, but if you pass carefully the comments of U.S. officials, people like Lincoln, people like Biden himself, they were basically signalling that they were supporting that plan. And if you take a step back and think about it, it is what we're talking about here is an operation very similar in some respects in its grandiosity to the counteroffensive that the Pentagon, the administration, basically forced upon Ukraine in the spring of summer of this year. So, big operation. Now, the fundamental difference, what, what eventually has caused this operation to be scaled down, is that the political resistance was overwhelming. Last week, Biden spoke to MBS, and MBS made it absolutely clear as clear that Saudi Arabia was dead against this whole idea and without the Saudis there was no chance that Israel that Egypt would be persuaded to go along with it and of course the Egyptians have been completely opposed to this whole idea right from the get go they don't want 2.3 million refugees uh, from gaza on their territory they don't want people who are supportive of the muslim brotherhood in egypt which the egyptian government is opposed to on their territory they don't want to be seen assisting in a displacement of population from gaza which Arab opinion would say was ceding more of historic Palestine to Israel. So the Egyptians said absolutely, under no circumstances, no. And they were very rude. We discussed this. Uh, um, Al Sisi, the Egyptian president, was incredibly rude to Blinken when Blinken came and spoke to him after Blinken had already been given a rough ride by the Saudis, including by F- MBS. Um, the king of Jordan, the king of uh, the president of the Palestinian Authority, the president of uh, the, uh, Egypt, again, refused to meet with Biden. And but as Biden, yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, finally spoke to al-Sisi on the phone and basically told him this whole idea is called off. If you lo- read the American readout, it's quite clear about this. So the result is that the population in Gaza remains within Gaza. So given that this is so, you have to scale down the operation. You have to reduce its, uh, its scale because you're not able to just fight over, in effect, a deserted city. And um, at the same time, they do con- need to continue some kind of military operation in Gaza. Israel is committed to destroying Hamas. So is the United States. So they're doing a number of things. On the one hand, they are um, doing this in this incremental way that we are seeing. At the same time, they're trying to gain a grip, a very tight grip, on the information flow. So um, we see attempts to disconnect the internet, Anger with uh, uh, you know Elon Musk and Starlink and all that, even though I mean I think this has been misunderstood because from my understanding of it, um, Elon Musk was simply talking about providing Starlink services to UN agencies, and I mean it's, I mean it was certainly not you know providing internet services across uh, Gaza or anything like that. But anyway, uh, tightening information control so that this operation which Some in some places, I think it was The Economist, I might be wrong there. Uh, are saying could last a whole year, takes place out of sight, so that you know, carried out gradually, but we don't get vast volumes of pictures coming out of Gaza showing bombs, bombing sites, and hospitals being bombed and all. Hospitals perhaps being bombed. Let's not get into the weeds about that. all those kind of things. But anyway, no negative pictures coming out. The, the hope is that the whole thing becomes routine. People stop being quite so interested in it. And um, eventually it drops off the, the news headlines and becomes background a background story so that the United States, which has just suffered another defeat in the General Assembly, this was, we were talking about the fact that we were going to get to the General Assembly, the UN General Assembly, eventually, we've seen the first resolution go there, and it's passed, calling for a ceasefire, anyway, the hope is that by normalising this, by making it a kind of routine event, Having it always there, chattering in the background, but not, you know, on the front pages, that some of the diplomatic pressure will come off. So I think that is where we are with the Gaza, um, the Gaza thing. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think this is a viable strategy myself. But I think this is Plan B.
0: Why? Why do you not think it's a viable strategy?
1: Uh, because why,
0: why? Why can't? Why? Why can't yeah. Israel? Here's, here's a quick question. Yeah. Why do you think this is not going to be a viable strategy? And why can't Israel do what um, what the Russian military did in Syria or what they did in Mariupol, which is where they create the the corridors? They, I mean, you remember the beginning of uh, of Mariupol, where people were passing via corridors and they were checking them and you know looking for the tattoos. Oh, the, oh that 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 whole uh, time period. Uh, why can't they do something like that? Yeah, but, and have the media report on it because yeah, it shows restraint, I guess. I mean, maybe we're yeah. past the point of restraint yes. given yes. restraint given everything that we've seen. Yes, but um, because a thought
1: because the well, for two reasons. First of all, there is a difference in scale. I mean, uh, Gaza is ten times bigger than Mariupol. <laughs> I mean, Mariupol is a city of 270,000. Gaza is a city of 2.3 million. And uh, so there's a difference in scale. Uh, Hamas is far larger. Allegedly, it has 40,000 fighters. There's this huge tunnel network. And Mariupol took about, from memory, about two months to resolve. This, we've been told, might last a whole year. That is an extremely long time, and the other reason is, of course, that the politics are completely different. The politics of Mariupol and these places is that they're part of their battles that are taking place in the context of a very, very much bigger war. In cities, but Mariupol and Bakhmut and those places, which are, bear in mind, in Russian-speaking areas and where, let's be careful what we say, a proportion of the population, perhaps a majority, are sympathetic to Russia. That is not the case in Gaza at all. In Gaza, this is a military operation conducted by Israel against an Arab-Palestinian-Islamic city. And why is it not going to work? Because I think that there are enough people across the Middle East in, um, you know, the Palestinian territories, in, um, other Arab countries in Iran, whose whose interests are to keep this thing alive, to keep this thing, you know, at center of attention. And I think that ultimately they will be able to succeed. They can always arrange events. Elsewhere in the Middle East, on the Palestinian territories, to ensure that this situation in Gaza begins, you know, remains, um, you know, at centre of attention, and I think that this will also be true of various other agencies as well, even some of the humanitarian agencies. So far from being a strategy, you know, trying to dial it down in terms of publicity. Prolong it. My own view is that, on the contrary, prolonging this over the course of a whole year actually is going to create more political problems than it's going to solve. It's going to allow more time for the other side to organise and for them to put more pressure in the General Assembly, in the UN, where the real problems for the US are, are now starting to happen.
0: Yeah, but. Uh... The the alternative would be what though to go, to 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 continue to do what they're doing, which is to to just demolish the whole you see, the whole area. I mean that's that's not obviously yeah. that's that's not a solution at all. No, and, no, and and the images that have been getting no. out are quite horrific. Yes, shocking for the shocking. world. I think for yes. for the entire world, even the yes. United States. Yes. Even for citizens in yes. the United States. I mean, we can see that this issue is even tearing apart the Democrat Party. Yes. I mean, yes. even even we're seeing splits in, 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 in what we thought was, was an un, unbreakable unity in the Democrat Party. We're starting to see that they're even dividing on this issue because of, of what they've seen coming out of of Gaza. I mean, um, yeah, listening I, I, to, to you explain Plan A... Just listening to your explanation of Plan A, it seems like they didn't really think Plan A through. Because if they were thinking that if they're, they're going to go hard into, into Gaza and, and then they're going to get these these camps in Egypt, I I think they really really badly miscalculated. At least from from a media optics side of things, it's 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 been uh, it's been horrific. Um, so so I mean, my question is what? Yes. You, you, the slow approach is is going to be bad. The fast approach is, is is unacceptable.
1: Well, indeed, and this is where we come back to the initial reaction to this event because this is where I think uh, fundamental mistakes were made. Because um, uh, one way or the other, the. Israel and the United States opted immediately for a military response. And I'm not saying, by the way, that there shouldn't have been a military response. A military response was undoubtedly inevitable and needed, given what Hamas did on the 7th of October. But they didn't they didn't balance that military response that they needed to take with a political one. Now, what should they have done? You know, We're now past the point where this can happen. And it is fair to say that from this point on, all the options now start to become very difficult and very bad. But what should they have done? I'm going to make a number of suggestions. I think the first thing that needed to happen directly after the 7th of October is that Biden should have been working the phones, talking to all the Arab leaders. I think that there was huge revulsion across the world at what Hamas did on the 7th of October. The first step, the absolute first step which should have been taken, is for the Israel and the United States and its allies, with the support of the Arab states, to have presented a resolution to the Security Council. That resolution should have called for Hamas, to um, condemn unequivocally what had happened on the 7th of October and to hand over all of the people who were responsible. That would have been the first step. When Hamas refused, as it would have been bound to do, we would have got further resolutions from the Security Council. Uh, Ultimately, a resolution under Chapter 7, saying that Hamas was a terrorist organisation and threatening consequences to Hamas if he didn't immediately comply with the demands of the Security Council. And that would have caused splits. That would have split Hamas from the rest of the Palestinian leadership. It would have isolated Hamas internationally. It would have opened the door for action against Hamas and its various agencies around the world. And it would have created, uh, you know, pressure within gaza itself for a repudiation by people there of hamas and eventually you would have wanted to create splits within the organization and things of that kind and of course military action as well you know action to arrest hamas officials to refer them to the un uh, to the international criminal court that kind of thing now it would have taken time It would have been slow, but it would have eventually, I'm confident, have achieved things. And of course, by the way, I forgot to mention, um, unequivocal demands for the immediate release of hostages, all the hostages that Hamas should take. And again, that should have been defined as terrorism, demands that they release them. The US didn't do that. Probably because... The exact opposite. They did the exact opposite. They didn't take that. They didn't take that approach. Just as, by the way, um, can I say, back in September uh, 2001, again, there were diplomatic avenues that could have been followed, which weren't followed at that time. Uh, And they they made exactly the same mistake. They immediately went for a military solution. They did not work with the global community. It... The, this particular case, probably there would have been worries that if they did that, that might have opened up discussions about the longer-term problems in the Middle East. There might have been calls from the global community for moves to um, start you know, negotiations to resolve um, the Palestinian-Israeli issue. But the United States could have handled that if it had taken the approach that I'm discussing. But of course, it didn't do that. It We had Biden instead going to Israel, giving you know complete support to the Israelis as they went for this kind of military operation. And that's why we find ourselves in the situation that we are in today. Um, you have to think these things through. You have to work out what you're doing. You need... And, you know, I accept this is very difficult. I mean, I, I understand that what happened on the 7th of October was absolutely uh, you know, appalling, uh, um, outrageous, um, terrible attacks on civilians, taking of hostages, all these gruesome, awful things. But it was intended to provoke a unilateral military response. It, and I, I personally think that... Letting yourself be provoked into doing what your adversary wants you to do, politically speaking, is always a mistake. Um, You need always, in these situations, you need to act with the highest degree of discipline. And you need to think through your plans, work out what they are, consult widely talk to all the various experts, bring in the various experts, of whom there are lots of them about the Middle East, in the United States. I mean, you know, academics, people of that kind, in in London as well. Uh, Take, you know, give yourself a week to think through what you're going to do, work the phones, talk to other world leaders, and then you will arrive at a much better solution. That wasn't what happened. And, well, as I said, we see ourselves... In the situation we're in now,
0: everything you're describing to me is is could have been approached if you had just watched how how, how the Russians dealt with uh, their situation on February twenty twenty second twenty yeah. 24, twenty three twenty four I forgot the exact day yeah. of uh, of the SMO. You know, a lot of people mock the the term special military operation. I mean, we sometimes. You know, case okay, SMO, but you know there's there, there's a little bit of of restraint and wisdom to to how the Russians thought it out, and and what you described was not. I mean, what we got is a declaration of war. Right, and a lot of people, you know, when when the Ukraine uh, conflict broke, broke out, a lot of people were saying, "When is when, when is the Russian government going to declare war? When is this war?" Uh, they never did and they never have and it look and i don't think they ever will no Be- because they purposefully wanted to to approach it in a in a different way and everything that you described wasn't what you would have done what you were describing your suggestions Th- those seem like it within the the framework of a special uh, military operation you're not going to a war you're going to find certain people you're going to arrest them it's it's going to take time but your goal isn't to destroy displace demolish gaza your goal is to is 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 to deal with hamas well what you know, well, the i mean, you are the, completely it I mean. was a declaration of war and then everything that happened was, was is and is happening is just catastrophic yeah where absolutely. they could have taken a page from from putin and said okay i'm not saying we should compare these conflicts yeah. it's, it's apples to oranges but i'm just saying They should have realized this could have had a different uh, approach taken.
1: Absolutely, I mean, what the Russians did on the 22nd of February is obviously they declared, uh, last year, they declared the SMO, but almost immediately, literally this following day, they they agreed, they they sat down with the Ukrainians and negotiated, and they went on negotiating, if you remember, for uh, two months, and they nearly came to an agreement. I mean, completely different. It was a completely different approach. And, of course, as we know, the negotiations eventually collapsed. But the very fact that the Russians went through the process of negotiations and acted in what was seen as a measured way and went out of their way to say we're not attacking infrastructure, we're not (laughs) civilian infrastructure and all of those things, what they did was that it made it seem to most of the world that they were acting In a restrained and disciplined fashion, and of course, there's been an enormous amount of
0: electricity, food, exactly. Exactly. Nothing was
1: destroyed. Exactly. Now, of course, there's been an enormous amount of criticism of that in Russia itself, by the way, but Putin and the government had the discipline to respond in that kind of way. Now. You're talking absolutely correctly, because, of course, by, in effect, declaring war on Hamas, they are treating Hamas as a political and state actor, because that is what a war is. Whereas, if they'd approached it differently, they could have approached it instead as a political... Uh, ...rather as a terrorist and criminal organisation. <laughs> and uh, th- th- this, is, this was the mistake they made. Because now, of course, Hamas is able to say... ...that they are leading the Palestinian resistance... ...and that they are part of a war... ...and that they're an army fighting a war. Whereas, as I said, if, the, if a different approach had been taken... ...right at the start, you could have said... ...that they were a criminal organisation which engages in terrorism and it needs to be treated not just by israel but by the entire world including by the palestinians themselves as a a criminal criminal organization and a terrorist organization and isolated in that kind of way now had that happened obviously there would have been a lot of people in the middle east on the palestinian territories who would have been resistant to that. But they would have been on the defensive politically. They would have been on the defensive on the back foot. And I'm going to say straightforwardly, I think the big Arab countries, Saudi Arabia and Egypt, would have supported that position. I think had that approach been taken, the the approach that I've described, you would have found that ultimately the Arab League would have supported it. Bear in mind that most Arab states detest the Muslim Brotherhood, which is ultimately the organisation to which Hamas is linked. The Egyptian government regards the Muslim Brotherhood as essentially a terrorist organisation in its midst. The Syrian government fought a prolonged war against the Muslim gov- gov- uh, Brotherhood in Syria. We, we know all about that. The Saudis dislike the Muslim Brotherhood for all kinds of reasons. It should not have been difficult, actually. You think about it in that way, to mobilise Arab opinion and world opinion behind it. And of course, Putin himself has no truck with Islamic terrorists, as we know. He's fought them in the Caucasus, and he's fought them in Syria, and he's fought them in other places, and the Chinese have fought them as well. So, you know, if you work all of that, if you play on all of that effectively, then... Mobilizing global opinion, isolating Hamas, breaking down Hamas because of course, under that kind of pressure, you start to get inevitably dissensions and quarrels start to appear because parts of Hamas have been thinking of themselves as um, you know civilian uh, civilian leader, uh, uh, movement in control of the government of Gaza and all of that. If you get that kind of move, they lose the support of UN agencies, the UN, if it's a branded a criminal terrorist organisation, the UN would stop working with them. <laughs> you, you, you could see how the pressure over time would have worked and would have started to achieve positive political outcomes for the United States and for Israel. I'm going to say that here, the fact that the wrong course was taken for me the blame less rest, rests overwhelmingly with the biden administration uh, given the I've realities given the realities in israel given what happened in israel it, you know i can completely understand why israel did what it did i mean you know very difficult to see how netanyahu and his ministers uh, under that kind of pressure you know would have left to themselves taken a different course. But the United States has overwhelming influence in Israel. A strong, purposeful, intelligent administration would have come out publicly and said to the Israelis, no, don't go down this road. You must take this other approach. It would have been supported within the Democratic Party, by the way, which is a good point that you're making. And you're correct, the Democratic Party is splitting so is the Labour Party in Britain to an even greater extent. Now, we did a programme a few days ago about, you know, Starmer now looking like the Prime Minister. Suddenly, he's looking less so because there's talk about shadow cabinet resignations because people are so upset about what's happening. So you would have had support around the world, support in the United States. Also, had this other approach been taken... Biden told the Israelis reputedly, don't repeat the mistakes we made after 9-11. The reality is Biden repeated the mistakes the U.S. made after 9-11. He was the decision maker that should have acted at that time. And uh, I'm not even going to use the word restraint. I'm talking about discipline take a disciplined approach to this problem. And he didn't do it. He failed again. And he failed catastrophically. He had this catastrophic trip to the Middle East, which we did a whole program about. He's had this huge armada to the Middle East. He's, I mean, I'm convinced, by the way, that they're still thinking about war with Iran, despite everything, all of this, he made every conceivable mistake in this in this situation. And the blame and responsibility lies overwhelmingly with him.
0: I was going to say the same exact thing that you're saying. I mean, Look, Labour is splitting. The Democrats are splitting because the images are too much for people to handle. Yeah. Yes. I mean, people are shocked, outraged, furious, uh, angry, sad. I mean, the images are. Horrific! What is happening in God. I mean, it, it's you, you can't argue that. that Absolutely, it, everything that people are seeing is shocking, shocking beyond belief, and um, and the blame one hundred percent lies with Biden and the Biden White House. And you just you said the two reasons why why they messed up so bad on this. I think one of the reasons that you that you highlighted is that maybe no, definitely we've talked about this many times. They don't have the diplomatic skill. For this type of stuff. Let's face it, they just don't. They don't have Sergei Lavrov. No. They don't have Wang Yi. They they, they don't have uh Jai Shankar. They don't have these people. No. They have Blinken and Newland and Sullivan. Let's just just be honest. They don't have people that can think like this. These people have one default position. And it's, you know, put your foot on the pedal and slam the car into the wall. I mean that's that's their default position. That's their answer to everything. Everything's a nail and they're the hammer. Exactly. So they they, didn't, they they couldn't think like like what what we're describing here what you just described um, this this approach and they couldn't advise Israel on this because they just <laughs> it's just not in their they're not capable of it they don't have that skill set but the other reason is what you mentioned is that um, the other side of uh, of the Biden White House is the neocon side the hardcore neocon side that took advantage of this situation that saw an opportunity. Instead of de-escalating, instead of trying to prevent a wider war, instead of trying to get the the, the Arab states on your side, instead of trying to get Russia on your side, they said, well, this is our opportunity to finally take out Iran. We got it now. So let's connect Hamas to Iran, just like Iraq, just like al-Qaeda. They connected to Iraq somehow. There was no, no connection, but... All of a sudden, it was uh, Saddam that took down the the towers, and everyone went along with it. They're doing the same thing now, and 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 they just they took advantage, and they're taking advantage of the situation in order to get to to that war with Iran, and that's why they they couldn't go down the the other path, which was clearly clearly there. Yes, you absolutely. Know, Biden's trip was a disaster. Yes. Yes. Send can't send Biden to to do these things. He doesn't have the skill to do these things. No, exactly. So, you
1: know, we have a a situation in the Middle East, which is getting out of control. And as I said, I I generally, truly do not believe that it is going to be possible to control the situation in the way that I think the Biden administration hopes. And uh, for a year, and by the way, I mean, again, you know, it's the Israelis, no doubt, themselves want to, you know, control the information flow from Gaza. But the, the people who want that most, again, are the Biden people, because that is what they do. Ultimately, they're all about information flow and manipulating opinion and, you know, getting the right headlines and the right discussions and things of this kind. So, I mean, it, it, but this is too big a situation. It's a situation that Far too many people are interested in for this to work.
0: Yeah. This is a a situation that could take us to to a world war. Yes. So obviously everyone's concerned. This touches everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Media headlines and optics, that's that's the way they think. Yes. And, uh, yeah. They really messed up. In a big, big way. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's let's end it there. the dot We are on Rumble, Odyssey, Bitchute, Telegram, Rockfin, and Twitter X. And go to the Durand shop. Twenty percent off. Use the code the Durand twenty. Take care.